Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. Welcome, everyone, to this lovely podcast. I'm your host, Karen. Dom. <laughs> and today... myself. <laughs> just like that. Mm-hmm. Today, we are recording on a very, very hot day here in New York. Y'all heard it from Karen's mouth, not mine. Girl, I've been just drinking water like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm a balloon right now. <laughs> and if you hear some noise in the background, it's my AC. Other days, I would have been fine turning it off. But if I turn it off today, I will be in a puddle of my own sweat by the time we're done recording. Mm-hmm. And we must protect our executive producer. <laughs> Yes, it's in my contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not die under any circumstances <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, quick um, little side note here. Now that we're talking about contracts. Mm-hmm. I know that before we started recording this episode, I was talking about how I'm, for some reason, obsessed with Sex in the City. Yes. Okay. So, the other day I was on YouTube just binge-watching videos about Sex in the City. And, like, you know those videos that are, like, Facts you didn't know, mm-hmm. or some things you didn't know it is, da da da. Okay. Well, turns out that I didn't realize this, mm-hmm. but after I saw this YouTube video, uh, Carrie never had any sex scenes, you know, like where she was naked, mm-hmm. like compared to uh, Miranda or Samantha. Yep. Or Charlotte. It turns out that it was in Sarah Jessica Parker's contract. Yep. And I didn't know. Mm hmm. I knew that, well, I did know that I think, like, at first she wasn't sure if she wanted to do it. But, you know, after some time, she accepted the role. But that was part of her contract, which I mm-hmm. had no clue. And up until I saw that, you know, that, that video, I realized, yes, she's never had any sex scenes, you know, or, like, she's naked or whatever. Yeah. It was something that I just never really thought or, like, considered i don't know yeah i remember um noticing that too and i think i think um kristen davis who plays charlotte she also has um i think a no top like a no topless clause in her um contract but like you it could be like intimated or shown has she had like any she did have Oh my God. No. So I remember that with Charlotte's character, um, it was that her family, I believe, was, you know, very conservative. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want her family to know that she was part of the show because she was afraid of how they were going to react. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even want her grandma to watch it, especially her grandma. She is me. (laughs) Yes. But after a while, I believe after, like, the first season, she realized and, you know, started to learn more about Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And then her parents uh, started watching it as well. And turns out that her dad is also, I think, a, a professor. Mm-hmm. And he used some of this, the scenes in the show to discuss relationships and all these different patterns. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, so Charlotte and I feel like so many diaspora girls, like from strict, strict backgrounds, we have that like duality kind of. It's not so much like, oh, we're so scared. It's like we want to have a space where we can comfortably do that outside of the very watchful eye of our upbringing, like that has been our entire like upbringing is policing our um womanhood and trying to you know um shepherd us in a specific kind of way of being a woman whereas Mm -hmm. like we can have the option to explore whatever ways to be a woman and we just want to do it outside of the view of our parents yeah (laughs) so it's not really like oh I'm so scared I don't want them this it's really like listen I really do want to do this I really want to be in this kind of performance I want to be able to tap into this part of me and like feel it out and be creative without them interfering (laughs) yeah we want no interference I feel her I feel it Mm -hmm. I like that I didn't know that yeah, I, I didn't know that either. It was uh, quite interesting to find mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, but recently I've been obsessed with that show. And here's another update for everyone listening. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, this feels so, so good. I know that in a couple of episodes, I've, I've always been mentioning or asking Dom, have you watched Vida? Have you watched Vida? <laughs> and she doesn't listen to me. <laughs> but finally, she it? did. Don't you love it? Because how long did we have to put Parks and Rec in front of you? Literally, put it in front of you. We would send you gifts from <laughs> Parks and Rec. And you'd be like, oh, that's funny. And be like, yeah, watch the whole series. <laughs> okay, yes, I do. Yeah. I guess now we're even. Yeah. <laughs> but you finally watched it without telling me. You just surprised me. Mm-hmm. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so now we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Are you ready, Dom? Because oh, this is... I want everyone listening to know that I didn't even tweet. <laughs> I didn't even live tweet this. So I am. It's time. It's time. I'm so, I'm beyond ready to talk about this show. (laughs) (laughs) I think pretty much everyone is familiar with this show. Mm -hmm. And it's on stars. So you bet that I had to get my account with stars so that I wouldn't miss this show. It's about two sisters that were born in LA, specifically Boyle Heights. Mm -hmm. They eventually moved out, and now they are back because their mom passed away. They inherited the bar, and they're just kind of, like, trying to figure out what they do with it now. But I feel like also their their drama mm-hmm. that they had before they left L.A. comes back. And obviously, these two women are adults now, kind of mature, because I, I have my opinions about Lynn. um and so their personalities have have changed you know you Mm -hmm. grow up you're not going to be the same person that you were back when you were 15 Mm -hmm. so I guess since I touched upon the characters do you want to start off with that Dom 
Yeah. Um, so one of the things I'm really um, appreciative of as a filmmaker and a filmmaker, a black filmmaker, part of, um, you know, the overall like woman of color um, genre mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, creatives um, is that like we are in a time where when we say representation matters, it's kind of starting to really appear that way. Um, not just from like the ground level, but like from people who are making decisions in terms of like what is going to be on screen. Um, and I'm really happy we're in this time. There's a lot more to be done. So I'm not saying like, oh, we've got all the representation we need and that's it. Because no. Right. I still need to be <laughs> in on the scene one. <laughs> um, and we still need to come to a place where it's like we're not still making history as like, oh, the first, you know, Mexican-American show or like the first Haitian-American show. You know what I mean? Yes. It should just be part of pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with that. Um, but I'm really happy that we are in this era where like representation matters. And I think um, one of the great things about Vita, um, the things that like when I hear the hype about Vita is that it like really did do a lot for um, people in terms of representation. Um, and, you know, it started a conversation whether or not you were entirely satisfied (laughs) with the representation um I think though I think that's a good thing about Vita um speaking though about representation matters I feel like people could do like a drinking series right now with the amount of times I just said the r word um (laughs) is that I um Speaking as someone who did not grow up in a Mexican community, did not even grow up in Los Angeles. Um, so I have to kind of understand it through the lens of Vita, like see, like have that kind of trust that the people who are writing it are really authentically conveying um, a Los Angeles Mexican and Mexican-American immigrant diaspora community. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. That being said, why is there no black people? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because they just mm-hmm. kind of like created this little world mm-hmm. around the sisters. Mm-hmm. Because even when you watch the show, you don't get that much from LA, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I feel like they're, we're just seeing Lynn and. Emma's world mm-hmm. I don't know it, yeah it's conflicting there yeah I um counted <laughs> you counted yeah so I don't know if this is a thing you, you do or um other people of color do but I know that black people do this especially if we're in an unfamiliar um terrain like, I mean, I'm not doing this in New York City, of course, but, like, if I'm a little bit further out from New York City, even, like, where I grew up a little bit further out from there, I'm counting. I'm going to try to see who there is there that's pretty familiar. Um, when I went to Colorado. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a good amount, good amount of Black people. 
um, even larger amount of Latinos. I think it used to be a former Mexican territory. Uh-huh. So, and I know there is very good Mexican food out there in Colorado. Um, so I counted, but I'm like, this is the first time in a show other than girls from HBO where I'm like, where are the black people? <laughs> and it was like, there was only one Asian person who was like, not even like, so the two people, the two people of color that weren't white or, um, uh, Mexican were that Asian woman, um, on the bus when Lynn was like stole Vidalia's credit cards. Oh yes. Yeah. She went to like, um, like the ritzy part of Los Angeles, I think Bel Air or whatever, or Beverly Hills, um, to do a shopping spree. And then Lynn was like, you know, Slamming. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there's like one um who seems uh Southeast Asian um woman who's just like staring at her. No lines, no nothing. The camera just looks at her. Um and then the uh security guard when they went to go see the um singer uh, when they went to see Sancha, yes. Yeah. Uh, the security oh. guard who removed Lynn from the <laughs> property. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Everyone is <laughs> white or messy sex or like vaguely mixed with a little bit more indigenous. Right. That's it. <laughs> so well, that's like, for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this. Like, this is what I'm going to be trusting the writers to be conveying this because I don't have really much of a like I don't know because there are some communities like especially if you do go out midwest there are some communities that are monocultural you know oh, yeah I mean? so like I'm trusting the writers to like convey that for you but I'm like this is Los Angeles though there there is even if it's like not in Boyle Heights there's like not that many other people of color like you said like they don't really show LA because I know no. LA has black people <laughs> as insecure. Let us know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even just like, I'm talking about like African-Americans. I mean, like there's Afro-Mexicanos too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where are yeah. 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 Um, so that was just one interesting thing. Um, that does that like, that's, that doesn't make mean like oh I'm not watching it at all because I don't see people like me because that's literally the existence of you know people of color in this right. is that like so much of media has never been catered for them mm-hmm. you know um, but that was just something that was so intriguing to me and I'm gonna do a little bit of um, shameless self plugging right now is <laughs> hey Vita writers if you're listening to this your girl's ready to be your Afro-Latina, Caribbean writer. If you Put that to. resume out there, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't like a critique or a bashing. It's just a commentary that hopefully will lead to a job. Anyways. <laughs> well, no, now that you mentioned this, I don't know if you follow, uh, I believe the Instagram is Vida Writers. Mm-hmm. But I have seen a few like behind the scenes, and um, there's not much color. 
Got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's like some like there needs to be an understanding that like being monocultural, even if it's like not white, does not mean diversity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now that we're talking a little bit of, mm-hmm. you know, the lack of characters that, you know, we, we need. Mm-hmm. Are you team Emma or team Lynn? I am team none of these people. <laughs> I don't know who I like. I can't stand any of them really. But the, my levels of can't stand varies. Okay. So some episodes it's like, oh, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to like Emma. And then some episodes I'm like, oh my God, I'm Lynn. Whatever. Whatever, Karen. Yes, there's a lot of me and Lynn. Yes. So that's why I can't stand her. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and I knew you were waiting. I knew you were waiting to get to Dom's kind of a princess like Lynn. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess we're here. Let's go. We're here because I do want to say that Yes, I do see a lot of uh, you and mm-hmm. Lynn, but in other aspects, I'm just like, girl, where is your head? Karen, she's so sweet. You dig yourself into these messes, and then you wonder why things are not going well, and you just expect to be rescued. And I know that's not you, Dom. No, yeah. She is... Um... So where we share things is that we love our comforts Lynn and I we love to be comfortable and you like selfies I love selfies um I know my angles <laughs> and listen if we're cute and we have a nice like little cleavage shirt and we do the little voice we know what we can get <laughs> all right I love it <laughs> I know what I can get. I remember, I don't even, I remember saying it on this podcast or maybe I was saying it to Karen, but like, I remember an undergrad when it was like, you know, thirsty Thursdays. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I never went out with a wallet except my ID because I didn't need to spend any money. <laughs> but here's the thing. You use it wisely, right? Yes. And Lynn is just like, at the moment, let me spend this money, da, da, da. And then doesn't even think about like, okay, well, I'm not spending my own money, so I should save it. She's just like living for the present and then yeah. expects someone else to save her when it comes to the future. Yeah, and that is so dangerous, um, especially since we like we live in like a patriarchal society. And like when you cede that much power to men... And they can tell that you're desperate. There's no telling, like, you just have to have a good person, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And, like, that's not always the case. Nope. And they don't need to be good people because, like, society has been, you know, effectively shaped for them. Like, look at how many people who get off on rape charges. Yeah. You know? So, like, mm. (laughs) that's not smart. (laughs) That much power to men. Like... You you know, you do a little cutesy in the hair and like, you know, Lynn and I know what's up, but like Lynn, also save your money. Yes. <laughs> and and she just puts herself in all these messes and then also she loves the attention. Yes. But so she is. But the thing is that, for example, with Johnny, I feel with Johnny it's just it was for her. I feel like it's just a thing of like, okay, well, I know he, 
he was so into me when we were in high school or whatever. And I could just prove to myself that I still got his attention or whatever and just went on, had sex with him, messed up with his life. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, she doesn't want to stay with him because she's not, he's not the type of guy that she's interested in. Right. And can, okay, can we talk about whew, that breakup scene? The breakup scene? The first breakup scene with Juniper. Ooh. Oh. Oh no. Doing? I am like, listen, you know me. I'm like, go get your coins. To me, like, it really is not real. Like, it's not like super like, oh, reparations, because I'm not an idiot and I study and I read and I know I've cracked open a history book and I know reparations is a structural change. Yeah. But for the purpose of this, it's like, yeah, listen, scam these white men, right? <laughs> N- not like this, Lynn. D- no. <laughs> right? She's just. I was just like, she really humiliate, like she really let this guy humiliate mm-hmm. her two days after she, like she, her mom died and she goes back and she has to give away all this money that like was super contingent on them being in a relationship. And I'm like, all throughout this time that you were not using your own money, you literally were just depending yeah. on this dick. Yes. Oh, no, ma'am. Mm-mm. You see, no. so I, I feel she's pretty, but... That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. And I remember her, um, is it uh, uh, Doña Tita? Yes, Doña Tita, the one, the lady with the gray hair. No, not her. The other one, the um, the one who does the brujeria stuff. Oh, her. No, that's not Doña Tita. That's Doña Lupe. Okay. Uh, Doña Lupe is me a lot of the times when she's talking to this chick because she keeps making it super obvious. And I think at one point she was just like, man, where's your head? Because... <laughs> Lynn could not put it together. She just kept seeing, like, very surface. Yeah. And it's like, no, you are the common denominator, mommy. (laughs) Like, you (laughs) are the common denominator. It's not like Johnny is this or this guy is that. It's like you're the common denominator and you need to understand how to navigate within this. So, like, even if you know how to use your – your beauty to get things you have to understand how to navigate it in a way one that isn't completely destructive not only to you but to the people around you yes yeah (laughs) lynn yeah lynn is just yeah i just like that's why i'm like not her on her team because one she's so frustrating um, and she really, you can tell very earnestly that she wants to, like, she wants to figure out things with a deeper meaning. She wants to understand, but she doesn't, I don't know if she doesn't have the critical thinking skills or she doesn't want to use those critical thinking skills. She always falls up short. I, I think she doesn't want to use them. Mm-hmm. And also, you know when they uh when they first go back to LA and they're trying to figure out 
what they're going to do with the bar, who's on the wheel, all of this paperwork. And she always leaves it to Emma. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, you're probably like 22, 25 or something. And you're leaving all this stuff to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, she's your sister, but you never know. She could like take you out of the will or whatever. And just because you don't want to deal with adult stuff, you don't even realize it. And then you're left out on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't think about these, these issues where mm-hmm. it's like she relies too much on other people. But you, you, she never stops to think about how maybe those people are going to screw her over and then she's left with nothing. Yeah. Good thing, you know, Emma is not that type of sister that would, you know, leave her family out in the street like that. But you never know. Right. I mean, people have their limits. Yes. And then we do see it later on in the show. Yes. Which I thought that was really good. Um, um, I have to say, like, someone having a breakdown is good character development. But if she, there was a point in time where Emma was just getting too one note as a character. It was just, like, constant meanness after meanness after meanness. <laughs> and I'm just like, can she be something else? <laughs> something else can she crack a smile or like do not to be like smile darling kind of like patronizing but like she's so one note and then when that arc happened where um uh, Bakunaga who's very handsome by the way we're gonna get into that um like basically told her to her face that she's like trash which she is somewhat um, she kind of like, and like she kind of has this like whole. Let me just take it slow. Yeah. Wow. Let me really reflect on it, and a little bit like I'm sorry for myself, but she doesn't stay in it, which is good. But like that's really human. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um. Also, for me, she's. Uh. I don't know if I would call her my favorite character. Can I say something? Yeah. She looks a lot like you. Oh, my God. You're not the first person that tells me this. Her makeup is so spot on you. Like, (laughs) even down to the the eyeliner, the lip, how her lips are shaped. Her, you know, you and her have similar haircuts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Other people have told me the same thing. You are Emma. And I feel in terms of character, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I identify more with Emma. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is because I believe it's like in the first episode where both Lynn and Emma are walking out of that taco shop and they bump into, uh, what's her name? Mari. Yes. They bump into Mari and she calls them Whitinas. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they also see Cruz, mm-hmm. who Emma kind of had like some type of relationship with. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how, you know, Emma went away, then she never came back. And obviously people think that now she's like snotty. She thinks she's all bad because mm-hmm. she feels better than everyone, whatever. Mm-hmm. In some way, I identify with her because when I was in, was this middle school? Yes, this was in middle school. 
and it came time for high school, everyone was going to the same high school, which was Clinton. Mm-hmm. And even though my parents did not let me go that far away, the furthest I went was Fordham Road. <laughs> I still got a little bit out of the neighborhood, met new friends, all of this. Obviously, uh, when it came time to college as well, I didn't go out of state because I couldn't. Um, and so I went to Brooklyn, but I, I still expanded, you know, like my world. Mm-hmm. And then friends that stayed in the neighborhood and didn't go to college or dropped out of high school for whatever reason, they started talking about me. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, Dom. But people started saying that I felt better than they were and that I had changed and they stopped talking to me. I had no idea about this. I just, like, whenever I would bump into them on the street, they would just, like, look the other way. And I was like, okay, whatever. At that point, I had already made my friends in high school and college. So I was like, whatever. If you don't want to talk to me, like, that's fine. We had some things in common, maybe because we were in middle school together. We were from the same neighborhood. And I'm still in the same neighborhood. But if you don't want to talk to me, like, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I felt better than them, not at all, because I feel like we had the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's just that they wanted to stay here or for some reason they just couldn't finish high school. But that wasn't my problem. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like I was better than them. And yes, I changed because I was growing up. Like I was starting to develop my own character. My, my way of dressing was different. I stopped wearing Jordans. I didn't have the chola look that I used to have in middle school. You know, everything started to change. And for some reason, that's why they stopped talking to me. So, yeah, now when I see, you know, the reaction that people have with Emma, I'm just like, okay, the way that you dress, the way that maybe her haircut or whatever, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything. Uh, I mean, people change. And I feel like, Sometimes others don't understand that. Just because they stay the same, they expect that everyone else and everything else should remain the same. Mm -hmm. So that is why from the beginning of the show, I was like, yep, I see a lot of myself in Emma. Got it. Yeah. And I think not a lot of other shows have really discussed this part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, they went away and now they come back and they're like new to this neighborhood. I, yes, I, yeah, I, in listening, I listened to a bit of a podcast um, prior to even watching it and it didn't make it seem like it was just like, oh, they like, kind of like, you know, that's like the story mm-hmm. of many generations. Yes. We don't, live in a, we don't live in a society anymore where it's like multi-generational people living in one house and like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not agricultural. So we're like, we don't need to stay on, you know, our ancestral place. Right. Per se. So like a lot of people like will grow up and go to college and like leave and whether or not they come back is, you know, kind of their own path. Yeah. And so like, that's what I really understood it to be I did not know that that was Emma's like I had no clue that that was Emma's um story until 
excuse me, after I watched it and I was like, okay, so like there is many layers to this. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, Emma is really mean. <laughs> um, but I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like she kind of had to. She had to toughen up. Yeah. She had to develop a really, really, really tough layer because look at what happened when she was really confronted with like something about herself that someone said um, to her face. Like she like broke down. You know what I mean? Um, So she like has to continually keep up this. They're strong, I guess. Person. Yeah, yeah, the strong, strong person. Also, she does have so much on her plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. And, and no, also, sorry. No, go ahead. No one like. I kind of was annoyed with Lynn when she said that. When Lynn was like, "Emma, you just like take on the responsibility when you don't need to," and it was like. No, 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 no. There's an expectation that has already been placed on her. Mm-hmm. And she knows if she didn't pick pick it up, that would even be worse for her. Yeah. Like, she doesn't win. She doesn't win if she does the responsible thing, and she doesn't win if she doesn't do the responsible thing, because there's already a narrative that's been set in place for her. Like, every woman, there's just, like, something, like, that is demanded of us by society. Yes. Especially when you're the oldest, I feel mm-hmm. Like, you feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And with them, I just feel, because her mother sent her away when she was young, she grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and from what we get from, you know, when she talks to Maddie, remember when they're both arrested? Yes. <laughs> and they're, they're just talking in the cell. And Emma mentioned how her grandma told her, like, I'm not raising any Chijonas in this house. Mm-hmm. So from there, she had to build a strong character mm-hmm. and whatever came her way, she just confronted. And then also, I feel because of her job, she's also tends to be very organized on point. And when things don't go how she planned it, it's just like she, she loses focus, not focus, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Emma's complicated. I mean, they're both complicated. and but You know what? I feel like Emma, she looks very, like you said, mean. Mm-hmm. But there's also, like, this <clears throat> soft side of her, for example. Oh, too soft. That's why she knows she has to be mean. Like, she <laughs> knows that, like, if she really goes into, like, how empathetic and, like, caring she is, like, one, people will probably take advantage of her. And two, like, it's just too, it's so much. Like, she feels too hard. I know yeah. it. You know, when uh, Madi gets kicked out of her house by her dad because of her dumbass brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so even though they don't get along and, you know, they've had their issues in the past, she still allows Madi to stay at her house because, mm-hmm. you know, she understands that shit happens and she wasn't gonna let Mari out on the street like that Mm -hmm. and like that is something that you can say about Emma and not like Lynn is 
when they said Lynn is selfish in a way you cannot comprehend, mm. very true. And she has this kind of self-centeredness that like it completely obscures other people until she makes a mess of things she makes a mess out of things and then wants to just walk away yeah which is what (laughs) what annoys me about like her i know with her um draw towards like the spiritual stuff because she literally only goes (laughs) when there's a problem it's like when you pray in a pro- like when you pray and you're like God, please, please, if you let me pass this test, I'm gonna convert. I'm gonna go to church every day. Like that's how she is. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's also really interesting. While we're on the topic of like um, the spiritual stuff, is like the mixing of like the Bruharia stuff and Catholicism, mm-hmm. which is like the narrative throughout all of Latin America um, is, you know, like Santeria has like Catholic icons. Yeah. And also, you know, stand in place for the deities in the um, folkloric mm-hmm. uh, religion. But I thought that was really interesting that like that was on screen. <laughs> yeah. It was first time for me and I'm like, whoa, that is on screen it's not just like you know strict catholicism or evangelicalism it's like really um they have it all they had like a really um wide array of like what it really is in latin america yeah that's more hidden i think at least like growing up haitian that's very hidden um because voodoo has such a bad rap yeah. So, like, for me, I was like, oh, that's really, for me, I thought that was really interesting to see that on screen. Um, it's something that I'm, like, in my own writings, I'm like, I want to also see on screen. So, reader writers, again, you know who to call. Um, <laughs> but going back to Emma, yeah, like you said, she is really soft. And I think she's, like, she knows she's going to be too soft, to be honest. So that's why she like has to hold up this as protection. Like this is, this is self-preservation. So I get it. Like I'm watching this logically. I understand where she's coming from knowing her backstory. I'm just like, she's so good at being mean though. I don't think she's mean though. I don't see it like that, Dom. I just, I just see it as like, you know, she has to be tough. She doesn't bullshit. Like she says things straight out. If she doesn't like something, she'll say it as well. And she just works towards getting shit done. Uh, That's how I see it. And I think that's why she's, yeah, I think I'm going to say it now. She's my favorite character. (laughs) I think there's better ways to talk to people. She just like talks to people like they're dumb um, I, I wouldn't even talk to children like this, but like, for some reason she infantilizes a lot of people. She's just like, you know, whatever, I'll take care of it. Cause you're too stupid to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, because she's a perfectionist. Oh my God. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so mean. You know what I didn't like though? Mm-hmm. Is that she I don't think we saw this so much in the first season. It comes out more in the second. 
where she's like, oh, people, you know, showing affection to each other in public. And she's mm-hmm. like, ew, and germs and all of this. I'm just like, girl, stop it. Oh, I remember that. I think she was doing that because she was like, she clearly knew that, like, going to see Sancho was, like, professional. But, like, one, she looked so smoking hot yes. in that outfit. I was just like, whew. And then Nico is delicious, by the way. Love me some Nico, um, which is also not my type. I think Nico's more your type because I love I love femme. I love femme women. Like, ah, uh, Nico. I don't know. Well, now he he has become Emma's friend slash mm-hmm. partner. I'm not exactly sure how they ended up in. You know this, this the last episode of the second season, mm-hmm. but Nico just tries to really uncover all of Emma and and, and too quickly too. Yes, I was just going to say that. I, I totally get where you're coming from. So quickly, I'm like, no, dude, no, that's not how you do it. Just like give her time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm glad that now she, Emma, for example, I'm glad that now Emma has someone to talk to. I feel like in the, in the first season, she didn't. Mm-hmm. It was always, she kept to herself. We didn't really know much about her. Mm-hmm. And now she has someone to open up, to have these discussions and to make her see when she's being a bit irrational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why she was saying all that, like, oh, they're kissing, kind of to, like, dampen the heat. Because I <laughs> like she kind of knew instinctually. She was like, this is going to be a lot more than professional. Okay. All right. Maybe. Maybe she was. But I was, Wait, she I was, was annoyed by that. Oh, yeah. She was so, like, ew, icky. I'm like, yeah. How old are So, so good. And now, we, guys, let me bring we talked a little bit about, you know, who's our favorite, what characteristics we like about them, who we identify with a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But let me just tell you, two characters that I could not. And good thing one of them is not in the show anymore. <laughs> Ooh. Cruz. You didn't like Cruz? Oh, no. <laughs> She was so pushy. She always wanted to do, like, this whole relationship thing. I just, eh, no. I couldn't with her. Karen's review, eh, no. <laughs> it's just, Can she knew. Atlantic. <laughs> she knew how Emma was. And meanwhile, she's still trying to get her to do the, the couple things, you know? Like, let's go to a wedding together. And let's mm-hmm. hold hands. And all of this, I'm just like. You knew where you you were getting yourself into. So why are you trying to change her? Mm-hmm. She was not my favorite character at all. Oh, she was so pretty. I mean, I'm, you know me. Sometimes if you're cute, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> I never have a firm stance on J-Lo like you can. Because I'm always like, oh, look at how beautiful she is. And you're like, I get it. Oh, no, no, no. Now that you brought up J-Lo, remind me to, to mention something about her at the end. Because yes. I do have something to say about her. Yes. You'll be surprised. Yes. <laughs> okay. And another character that I cannot stand. Mm. Mm. Tlaloc. I knew you were going to say him. I knew you were going to say him. Oh, 
He's irritating. I will. Where do I start wow. with him? So I don't know. It, it was just from the moment he recorded uh, my. Okay. Yes. I was like, who gave you permission? I That was so alienating to me because I'm like, what is that thought process? What is that thought process? Like, could you not be present for one minute in an intimate act that you needed to grab your phone? Like, Thank you. I was like, that makes no sense. Literally, I saw that and I was like, this, the motivation behind here makes zero sense. I don't know. Yes. I'm not a, I'm not a stupid man. So that was one. <laughs> then in the second season, Johnny finds out about this video. Mm-hmm. And he just goes and beats up Tualok. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, he had his motives. But then when Mari goes to visit him, he's like, oh, you know, you're not ready to have someone like me in your life. And, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. and Johnny acted like an animal and all this bullshit. I was like, dude, are you going to take the blame for what you caused? Like you brought this upon yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and in that specific scene, he was sort of like blaming it on Maddie. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, Maddie did not record herself. Maddie did not release this video. And Maddie, Maddie did not show it to Maddie. Johnny. Yeah. Like, exactly. So I was like, take blame for it. And do not like try to make Maddie feel bad for it. Okay, so I have my issues with how these two characters are written. Um, my issue with that, I can't say his name right. It's Yeah, it's a little difficult. Yeah. Is that I feel like him and Mari are kind of like caricatures, not really characters. Really? Yeah, I think they really tried to, like, push the, like, I'm an activist, and I'm going to be super affected in all the things that I say. And I'm like, this is, like, what people think annoying activists are. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they made Maddie try so hard. <laughs> and I think they exaggerated her. And her activism. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I just like don't like how she's written. Okay, I I do see your point, except that I don't see it so much with Mari. I see it more with Tlaloc. Oh yeah. So I know people like Tlaloc and men. Let me just put it there. Um, <laughs> when he comes out with his comments about like decolonize your diet and who said that tables were like always needed to eat, yeah. I'm like, bro, stop. Mm-hmm. Stop! Mm-hmm. You're not the only one eating frijoles and nopales. Like, no, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was just getting into like this whole speech. I was like, I can't with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is really annoying, and I. This is the reason why. Like, I know they wrote him to be this way, and I'm like, I know people like this, and this is annoying to see on screen. <laughs> that was my issue. But with Mari, I'm like, oh my, everything is just like. It was just everything. And mm. like, do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, I do know, but I've seen more people like Maddie, especially on Instagram. That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm talking about. They took people who are like, you know, like, <laughs> they took the Twitter activists and they made it like a caricature. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yes, I see it now. 
Because I'm not saying activism is bad. Like, I, you know I'm not saying that. No. Um, <laughs> but you know I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Always shooting off about something. Right. And that's not my entire persona. Mm-mm. And they really reduced her entire persona to, like, a Twitter timeline. <laughs> and I'm just like, why did they write her like this? Like, she's so, like, it's just so, like, nail on the head, hammer <laughs> all the time. Like, we get it, mommy. We live in a capitalist society. We live in a white supremacist. This is a white settler, like, country. Right. Get it. <laughs> Um, I don't like I they they really did not give her the dimension I was looking for um they started to a little bit mm-hmm. and she got kicked out of her house yeah and, like, you can see that Mari is really affected by sexism like all throughout like Talok Johnny her dad, her dad. all just like don't care about her in different ways yeah and, like, I love when she did start, like, when she was like, let's take a vote. I was like, that is what I'm talking. This is the voice I'm talking about. Not to police activism, but, like, that that was, like, her legitimately saying, like, listen, if you are going to be democratic, let's do it. Put your, oh, mouth, yeah. your mouth is. And, and she, like, was feeling herself. And she did a little cute smile. And I was like, yes, ma'am. But then everything else is just like, I, I, I'm like, okay, okay, Mari, we get it. We get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. It, at the beginning of the of the season, yeah, she, she was like that. Towards the end of season two, like you said, we started seeing a little bit more of her actual personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was glad, though, that a show finally had, you know, an activist ca- yeah. a character, you know, yeah, to, to portray an activist. M- maybe they're still building her character. I and, hope so. I, w- yeah. I think I would, I'm rooting for her where I said I'm team nobody and I don't really like anyone, even uh-huh. though I identify with Lynn, whatever. Um, Mari is the one I'm rooting for the most though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not um, only because of the character, but mm-hmm. for me, it's also because of the actress. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's. I, I follow her on Instagram, and she's the cutest. I, I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What I think is they should like have her like kind of come into her activism and become more of an organizer. Mm-hmm. And, like, this whole thing. Um, with education, there's always like a rub with her. There's some tension with education. People like, like Emma said it to her twice and she gets so irritated yeah. with it. And then you also see like, but there is a way to do that with Marcos, who is like a queer organizer getting his PhD. In oh, right. So like, there is like, there is that. And I'm not using intersection in like the Kimberly Crenshaw way, but like there is an <laughs> intersection there for Mari. Like she can really take in all of that, um, all of that like passion, passion that yes. she has, um, all that vigor, and like one also like apply it like with a grassroots organization in addition to agitation. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Like she said, she doesn't want to do meaningless jobs. She can transpose that into a career in academia. Like there is a way to do it. Yeah, 
But then this is the thing, like you said, when Emma was telling her about, you know, speaking to her about education, she was pissed off. Mm -hmm. But then she goes to Blalock and, and she's like, well, do you think I should go back to school? Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why are you even looking for his opinion? Like, I know, of all he, the people's opinions. Right? And then oh. he comes out with this speech and I'm just like, no. You just made her even more confused than she was already. Yeah, exactly. Out of all the characters so far, if he is not in the second, I mean, in the third season, I, I would, would be. Not miss him. Nope. I'd be like, follow who? Mm -hmm. He's cute, but I mean, whatever. Karen's like, oh, oh, mm. it's good. <laughs> um, I, everyone on that show is bit, like, Emma is obviously beautiful because she looks like my co-host. Um, <laughs> and that little number for like, oh, seared in my brain. She just looks so cute in that little, like, leather. Oh, I love that. I'm, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Karen outfit. It is. That's a very Karen when From the Bronx of Love moves to L.A. That is the her. That's how she gets off the plane. <laughs> That's how she gets off the plane. And like, a little strappy black shirt and a mini skirt. And That's me. In LAX. And then they're going to be snapping pictures of you thinking you're the actress that plays Emma. You're going to be on TMZ. Two minutes while you get down on L like in LA. Like <laughs> in LA. Um, uh, I think Lynn's very pretty in a conventional way, but mm, she's all right. Like I wouldn't. Mm. Um, yeah. Is very good looking. Wait, yeah. who? Johnny. Johnny. Mm, yes, he's good looking. Own person there too. I want to say that. Wait, what's up? He has to be the darkest toned person on the show, too. Oh, yes. Yes, for sure. Johnny is handsome. Not really my type. I think so. he's a very pretty boy. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I think he's a like pretty boy with like a little bit of ruggedness because he works on cars. I don't know. Uh, I don't he's tall. I like that he's tall. Yeah, he is. Okay. I did not. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, my least favorite in terms of, like, cuteness, because, you know, I have a cuteness reader. Um, <laughs> is the senator or councilman Marquez? Oh, yeah. No, he was Mexican. Me either. I <laughs> looked it up, and then, yeah. I remember when she was like, I'm done with white guys. I was like, who is this guy, then, that you're doing CrossFit with? <laughs> And then yeah. was like, oh, Councilman Marquez. I was like, this is why, this is why we need to make a distinction that Latino is not a race because that man is a white Mexican. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, even uh, Melissa Barrera, the, you know, the, the actress that plays Lynn, mm -hmm. she's also a white Mexican. Oh, yeah, she is. What do you think about Michelle? Because I saw her in, in person last year. Remember when we were in LA? Mm hmm. I saw her in person, and um, yeah, she's she's uh, she's not super white. See, so there are some moments where she kind of does, and then there was another moment where she was like, I remember there was a moment because um, Lynn was having that whole like brunch. They were having that brunch uh, 
El Domingo de Puteria with Marco. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorite scenes. Love, 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 love. Um, uh, where Marcos was talking about colorism. Yes. And he was like, you guys wouldn't know because you're white Tina. And then Lynn, Lynn opened her <laughs> mouth and said, <laughs> <"Sorry>, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Where I was going with this. Opens her mouth and says, Emma's more white than I am. I'm like, girl. Like, do you know your colors? And this is why, like, she, like, just, she, like, really, she has such a warped sense of self. <laughs> the ones they, were, they were protesting, and she's like, I understand why you guys don't like us. <laughs> Lynn, <laughs> please get some self-awareness. <laughs> get a bank account and get some self-awareness. <laughs> things because we're not going to survive <laughs> what do you think about Eddie I think Eddie's so sweet I think she's so precious she is too emotional I think that emotion stops her from moving forward and focusing on yeah. like, the current problem Eddie is a classic, what we call a hot head textual. Like her head is literally hot. Like everything is just 100. Like she cries to 100. She gets angry to 100. Yeah. She's happy to 100. I'm like, you got to calibrate. With Eddie, I understand that he's dealing with the loss of Vidalia. Mm-hmm. But now he he has to realize that there's a problem and Emma is trying to fix it. And he's always like contradicting her, like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. This is how we always did things. And I'm like, okay, cool. I understand that sometimes change is difficult for people. But then you're going to think if no one here takes action and you just want to say no to everything, but you don't propose any solutions. So how do you expect to be taking into consideration when you just say no to everything for no reason? Right. So that is my issue with Eddie. Sometimes there was points where I was like, okay, Eddie, no, please no, not again. Wait, um, just so I'm not misgendering Eddie, does Eddie identify as male? I don't know. I can't, for- I can't remember. Okay. I just don't want to misgender i'm gonna say they okay yeah. yeah can you just clear it up that we're i can't remember if you... yeah no i mean you're probably right and i'm the one who's wrong <laughs> i can't remember to be honest i think nico i think nico does because i remember marco said thank you sir to nico oh okay yeah so i think you were right and i was the one who's wrong and i said nico is a she. i said she at one point for nico I'm oh, yeah, here, right here on From the Love with Bronx. This is what you get. Quality content with yes. teachable moments. <laughs> um, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I think um, it takes a darker turn towards the end of the season because Eddie gets more vindictive when yeah. Eddie is hurt by mm-hmm. Nadia. By the way, I want to also say, this is such a like, random side note, but 
Vidalia sounds a lot like my grandmother's name, Idalia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, Eddie is just going to open up this whole box of Pandora, I feel. Mm-hmm. When there's really no need to. You know, the girls accepted that their dad is not in the picture anymore. And here he goes, going to church to see who this man is. Yeah. I really don't know what he's going to get out of it, you know? Right. Like, okay, the girls discover that their dad, you know, is alive. Like, how is that going to change things? If anything, it might make things worse for her. Yeah, I think so. And maybe she doesn't realize realize it. I know. Like we said, it's just 100. It's just all emotion. No, no, like, strategizing whatsoever. So, like, if you know you don't have legal rights and this man does and he doesn't great and he knows there's money to be made, you know you just played yourself. Yep. But... Yeah, because right now Eddie is pissed off that the mural was erased, that they're bringing in different types of uh, customers to the bar, that they don't take his opinion into consideration. And so actions are taken without really thinking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Eddie's character is like, eh. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, <laughs> very again, you know, I have a I have a cute spectrum, very cute. To yes, me. <laughs> mm-hmm. and you tell is such a softy, too much of a softy, but still, I love someone who's gonna make vegan chilaquiles and fun. <gasps> it's so cute. That is so cute. Yes, <laughs> Eddie communicates with food. Yes. Yeah. You know me. I receive communication with food <laughs> and for more food. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else? We talked about Johnny. We know Johnny's a bonehead. All of men really for all yeah. purposes. I mean boneheaded. Yeah, what's there right. to say about Johnny? He sees like a hot piece of ass and he loses his mind. Yeah, he's very basic. And I know Lynn knows that. Lynn can tell he's a basic. You <laughs> remember in the car ride when she's like, if it was Johnny Hernandez? Johnny's name? day. Yeah, she was like, if it's Johnny's day, what would you do? And he was just like, I don't know, you know, I'll do things I would normally do if I had the time. <laughs> but this is the type of person that is just stuck, you know? Yes. And they don't really care to explore anything that's outside of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that's where Lynn kind of feels frustrated with him. Mm -hmm. Because she has no, because she's also stupid too. I was like two stupid people getting mad at people for being stupid. (laughs) Both of them are knuckleheads. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, no wonder they ended up together. Well, I mean, not that they are together, but 
they end up messing around or whatever. Yeah. Because, yeah. They are, su- they are such that Facebook couple you've known since high school. They always break up, but they always get back together with a long poem or a song quote. And it's like, like seven pictures of them making out. And they stay in the same neighborhood. Yes. You know, the only reason why they're together is because she was like the first girl to let him finger her. <laughs> no, it, they are that person. They are that people. I mean, they are that people. <laughs> and they, these are the people that stay together for, like they stay together, quote unquote. Yeah. It's like go back, they gravitate towards each other. But they're the ones who are like, you know, when it's like time to get married or like not even time to get married, but you're like the first person to be married. It's them. First people to have children. Them. Yeah. First people to like do something. We're like, where is the fire? Like, why are these people having kids and getting married? And you know, they're not good for each other. No. And they're such locals. Anyways. Oh, that was a rant. <laughs> <laughs> So, so good. Last year, when we were in LA, I went to see the, the panel that they had at La Leaf. It was hosted by La Leaf. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how this whole show came to be. But ever since the first season was out, a few other podcasts talked about it. For example, Latinos Blanche. Cabronas y Chingonas, a spoilers podcast. I believe the Colores briefly touched upon it. Um, there was another one, Sobre Mesa podcast. Now, Dom, from your perspective, do you think that the writers or anyone working in that team ever listens to these podcasts to see, like, perhaps there's improvement or, you know, kind of like to get feedback, I guess. When I get a job, we'll see. (laughs) I Um, just... I'm not sure, actually. I was wondering that because a lot of podcasts have talked about it. Mm -hmm. And, oh, here's another thing, though. I don't think that they are very good with their social media, to be honest. Okay. Not that I want every single... Instagram account to interact with me when I comment on my personal or on the podcast Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of uh, posts and they just really don't make any effort. Or like, for example, we've posted about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't see any re- regrams or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that I want to be the only podcast, you know, to be highlighted. But still, I feel like they don't do a good job interacting with their fan base. Got it. That's my point of view. Got it. So yeah. now that's why I'm questioning whether, you know, maybe some of the writers are like, you know what, let's go listen to this podcast and see what their point of view is. Or, that would you know? be great um, because we offered um, a lot of commentary, some critiques. Um, and one of the things... Um, I haven't heard on other podcasts, but I'm about to drop it as someone who, like, I mean, I watch a lot of content, 
purely for the content. Uh-huh. Like I love storytelling and I love the story. And like, it doesn't always necessarily need to be perfect. If the story is great and really engaging and endearing and I really, re- it resonates with me. That said, I do think um, overall, I think it is a pretty good, well-constructed show in terms yes. of like, writing. Um, um, there's some motivations I personally wouldn't take. I don't, I don't know why they would be workshopped, and a lot of them are around Ma- uh, Mari's storyline. Okay, but one thing that did kind of throw me off in terms of like the actual technical aspect of the show was I think it was like the first and second episodes, the close-ups. Oh, weird to me. And then this also, they had like a POV. So um, POV is um, like point of view. So it's kind of like you yourself are looking through the camera. Okay. Um, Do you remember? It was like the first episode. It was like, I think it had to have been like the second or third scene. And it's in Vida's living room. This is like when we're introduced to Vida post-mortem after death. Oh, right. And it's like, it. there's like this ringing sound. It kind of is a little bit blurry. And we are kind of like supposed to be in the living room or dining room looking at the spread while everyone else is talking. And then that's oh, yeah. it. And I'm like, that doesn't explain anything to me. Like, are, is there supposed to be like another person who are supposed to embody is that supposed to be Vida? Like I don't get it. And it was just that one thing out of nowhere and very early on, to be honest. And it doesn't continue. Like they don't continue with that that stylistic choice. Okay. Yeah. What I'm saying is like I don't think it's bad, but like continue with it because it was so random. Well, yeah, like you said, if it's random, then it, it makes no sense. You know, for example, if they had continued with it, we would have thought, okay, well, maybe it's Vida. Because mm-hmm. you know how um, the Doña Mari, mm-hmm. she's always trying to get Lynn, and she's like, do you want to talk to your mom? And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I guess Vida is around here, which it would make sense why they have that scene, but they don't do it anymore. So then it's like, okay, what, what was that? It, you see. Look at you. It could be a film critic. Look at you. You got it. <laughs> but that's one of the things that I'm like, as like the creative director, mm-hmm. who's actually directing, like, and the showrunner really, this is really on the showrunner. Um, there's some choices that they take that they don't follow through with, and it like is very confusing because I don't get it. Yeah. Do you think they've improved that in the second season? Yeah, they have. Um, what really, I did not like, I hated the scene. And I didn't, and the reason why I hated the scene, not because of like what was going on, but it was actually because like they had like these really extreme close ups that were like super rapid in between the sisters when, you know, Emma's the one ordering tacos. And she's speaking oh, Spanish. Yes. And um, uh, Lynn is saying, oh, you speak Spanish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and it's just like such an intense like such intense close-ups for a really casual scene okay yeah and i'm like what was the point of this and it was so (laughs) rapid it was like fast cuts too and i'm like "Mm -mm." (laughs) so that's all i could like think of while i was watching that that was really distracting to me it distracted me it didn't move the narrative personally okay yeah, because you, you're the pro at this, you know? <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of scenes that we um, mm-hmm. don't like, not that I didn't like these, this scene, because I feel like it was necessary. Like, someone, someone finally said it, and it was Emma. Mm-hmm. You remember when they are at the wedding in yes. the second season? Which yes. I were beloved, our husband. We're gonna share him, okay, Dom? Yes. Our husband Armando. <laughs> cutest. Yes. He ranks the highest on the cutest spectrum. <laughs> More of Armando, please. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they're at his wedding, well, the character that he plays. And this specific scene is about people at Emma's table talking about coming out, mm-hmm. baby queers, mm-hmm. how do you identify? Mm-hmm. And I do agree with Emma on this point that if you choose to identify in whatever way it is, that is totally respectable, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that other people have to, like they must identify a certain way mm-hmm. or else you like don't know, you know, who they are. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, Emma did a very, like, the dialogue that, that her character had was on point. It was like, you know, yeah. I am who I am. I don't need to, like, shout it out. Yeah. I get off multiple ways. And why do I need to identify just for the sake of you, like, understanding who I am? Yeah. Um, I think that was a real, that was a really interesting scene because... I understand identity and culture and like, especially if you're part of a marginalized group, that is a really good source of comfort, um, a source of protections a lot of the times. Um, and it's just like your, your space to clean your own. Right. Right. So I understand that. Um, I do think Emma was a little bit antagonistic cause she was just like irritated. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she was, um, <laughs> But I do understand, like, you really can't, like, people will identify however way they want to. There is no monolith. And this is, like, I think that table was a really good um, cross-section. Like, that was diversity. That was a really good diverse people who, like, I identify as this way. I choose not to identify as this way. I'm not even going to talk about my identity. You Mm -hmm. know? And I thought that was, like, oh, that's a really good cross-section of, like, discourse within the community right um yeah the that one girl though the one who was doing the whole baby queer thing she said something about like pansexuality and i'm like i really i'm gonna try to look for it again because i'm like this is where it sounds um it sounds like she was just trying to throw anything yeah And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's already said no. So you don't need to, like, find other ways to put her in yeah. an identifier. And I thought that was a little... Mm. That's the part that I was like, stop it. 
Yeah. Top it with the whole baby queer thing. And, but I, I was glad that that dialogue was included. Yeah. And that's when Nico was like, you shouldn't change anyone. I was like, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That's all I needed. (laughs) Yeah. Because look, at the end of the day, whatever way Emma chooses to identify or not, like Mm -hmm. she's still Emma. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she's human. And I, I feel like, there's no need for her to identify a certain way in right. order for other people to understand right. who she is, you know? Also, it's very understandable that Emma has this hostility around it because of what her mom did to her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, this feels so, so good. I think she was a very, how do you say it? A hypocrite. Okay, that's what Emma says. You really yes. are her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because from what we know, it seems like even when she had her daughter, she was still getting around the neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm. After her daughters leave the house, then all of a sudden she's like, oh, now I'm into girls, but I kicked out my own daughter because I discovered that she was into girls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I feel like she's a hypocrite. And I'm, I'm not really a fan of her character, <laughs> even though she's not really a physical character. Yeah, I think this might sound like a hot take because <laughs> it's easier to be outside and talk about it than to be in it yeah and have like uh you know empathy and understanding for like the perpetrator mm-hmm. but I think she was so afraid and she knew like she knew about herself like Vida knew about herself but she was oh. like I don't want that future for my daughter okay that's why she did the things that she did. I think where she went wrong was when she was finally able to embrace it, she never extended an olive branch to Emma. Yeah. Yeah. That was wrong of her. It was really wrong of her. But then, you know what, now that you brought up that point in the first season where all the ladies are doing the rosary and all that, Lynn made a point and she goes, you know, they knew that, our mom had a partner, which, you know, is also a woman. And they, they, they were still there consoling Eddie and, and doing the prayers daily. Mm-hmm. So from what it looks like, at least to her closest, Vidalia's closest circle, mm-hmm. never judged her for her choices. Mm-hmm. So then for me, it, it's like, okay, the neighborhood didn't judge you. So why then you would think that they would do that to your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They need to explain that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems as like the, the show continues. We start getting to know a little bit more about Italia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, if, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I also don't think she was a great mother to um, Lynn. I think she, like, 
I don't know. Vidalia just sounded super conflicted. She sounded like she really wanted to uphold, like, the very oppressive structures she lived in, but then also create a space for herself to be herself, Mm -hmm. but then didn't do the same for her daughters. And then it was like, well, I'm going to do what I can to set my daughters up in a society where, like, they're not queer or... I'm going to set my daughter Lynn up in a society where she's taken care of. Like she doesn't like, I know she's not the brightest bulb. So like, (laughs) I want to make sure that even though she's not smart, (laughs) she's at least taken care of. And I'm like, no, but like you didn't, you're allowed to have all these things for yourself. Like you have a life, you have a business, you're a community, but then you can't, empower your daughters in the same way now i understand where lynn gets certain characteristics from Mm -hmm. because like you said vitalia created a community for herself where she felt safe and lynn even though she hasn't created a community for herself but she looks after her comfort i guess you Mm -hmm. know she looks for men that will give her the lifestyle that she wants at the moment of course and she is selfish about everyone else, which is what Vidalia did. Yeah. She created this, this, this safe queer community, but then she never, you know, welcomed her daughter into it. Yeah. So here's where we see some traits from the mother mm-hmm. in one of her daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really intriguing. I yeah. don't really think that, like, at first she was trying to help Emma... By doing the whole protection thing, I think she did it really wrong by not yeah. letting her know when she finally came to terms with herself. Well, you know what? I, Vidalia is one of those old school parents where certain things are not spoken of in the house. Yeah, but then she wasn't old school. Then I'm saying like being gay is not old school because there's been like, there's probably gay people in the Bible. You know what I mean? There's, no, 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 yeah, yeah. But like she, she is old school. That's what I'm saying. Like there's such a like um, dichotomy. She is very old school in that she like really tried to make her daughters like women. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about women who are in service of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then she like has like like it says in the show like she had this like bar for women who didn't fit what she was trying to make her daughters into. So, like, what what, what, what was going on there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, I get it. Like, I think we're both are saying the same thing. We're, like, agreeing with each other, and we just are confused by Vidalia's motivations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because right now we only see little bits of Vidalia mm-hmm. based on what we know from, like, Emma and Lynn and mm-hmm. Eddie. So it's still kind of like trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. So we don't really understand yet what was the motive of her, you know, kicking Emma out or, you know, Mm -hmm. sending her away. Yeah. Which, like you said, it could be to protect her, but she did it in the wrong way. Yeah, I think so. And that just hurt Emma completely. Yeah. Yeah. So many things to say about this show. So many. Um... One last thing I want to say. Yeah. Um, and this goes back to our, well, we've had overall conversations about characters and like also we talked about story structure and things like that and representation. But 
Nelson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's just a clown. <laughs> when I heard, I don't beat Latinos because I like pink nipples, I lost it. I had to pause the show. <laughs> I had to pause because I was like this. <sighs> oh, my God. Not that I'm like super into like cishet men of color and I'm like in that community and I'm, I want to like be their prize. You know what I mean? I'm not fighting. Like if y'all see milky white and that's all you're going to drool over kind of like what Lynn said, like what, what is that word that Marco said? Actually, um, no, Marcos didn't say it. It was Johnny. Johnny said, every time I see you, I, and it starts with a B, but it means to drool. But bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. whatever. You see, whatever. You see a little Blanquita and that's what you want to do. I'm not fighting you for it. I don't care. That right. is not even my priority. I don't even think about y'all. But it's just like so explicitly said. I was, And I'm like, I know it. I'm, we all, all of us know this. <laughs> all yeah. of us brown and black women who see men with their little blanquitas and prizing them and fetishizing them or like not even blanquitas, but like really light-skinned women too. We mm-hmm. know this. Yeah. And you try to play it off like that is not the case. And then when he said it, oh. in the DM, I, I f- almost flipped my laptop because I was like, I'm done with the gaslighting. It's been said. I know it's been said in a very fictional setting, but it's been said. Yeah. And that was what irritated the hell out of me. But yeah, you're right. He's a clown. He is. He's just like this wannabe hipster businessman. I don't know. He's all over the place. Yeah, he definitely voted for Trump. (laughs) Especially when he said the nopal uh, in the... In la frente. Yeah. I was like, that's nasty. That... mm." Yeah. Yeah, that's a definite Mexican for Trump. Mm, come here the right way, like I did. These people. Anyway. Well, yeah, because now he he's working um, against his community. Yeah. Yeah, and at yeah. whatever the price is, you know. Mm-hmm. See, this is where I feel like there, like with Mari. Th- this is why I feel like sh- she's too much because there is no nuance. Mm-hmm. in her at least like capitalist analysis like nelson is a literal bad guy. he's greedy he is yes. capitalist whereas like the daughters really are trying to like stay above water and keep mm-hmm. the bar they're not always good at it and like emma is a little bit corporate and she's gonna <laughs> seep into like she's gonna have a little bit of a corporateness seep into it yeah because, like, we do live in a system where we need money to survive. You know what I mean? So yep. it's more, like, they're trying to survive. They're not always great at it. Whereas Nelson is literally, like, I don't care what your skin color is. I want green. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what it is with him. So if I'm going to fight a capitalist, Nelson's who I'm fighting. <laughs> so. That's the end of my manifesto. Mm-hmm. We discussed most of the characters. Yeah, I think we're done. I'm done. <laughs> Me too. I'm done and I'm ready for the third season. Mm-hmm. I want to see more drama. 
I want to see more of LA. <laughs> that is true. I do. <sighs> and Karen would like to see more Afro Mexicanos. Yes. And in general. I would like to see an episode that Dom writes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Also, I would like to see more indigenous people, too. And French oh. American. Yeah. Because I know there's like, there's like huge Salvadoranian. Yes. In Los Angeles. And like, that's not there. And I know, like you said, I think you said this to me in a text message. It can't be everything to all people. Completely understand. Oh, right, right. I would just like to know that there is a possibility that, that like, it's not just going to stay within its little, you know, um, confines because yeah. when it's taking place in the United States of America, which is a multicultural. In L.A. Yeah, and it's in L.A. <laughs> yeah. So those are, now those are my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't watched it make sure you do let us know your thoughts the show might not please everyone mm-hmm. but it is progress compared to what we had before very much so it is i think it's a good show very yeah. good stories very sexy and it's opening the way you know for other shows to come Mm-hmm. That are going to mm-hmm. do things differently that might improve uh, mm-hmm. issues that people had with this, with Vida, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that the writers at least go on social media, mm-hmm. like Twitter or Instagram, and listen, pay attention to what people are saying about the show because I know Insecure does that. Yes, they do. Yeah. So, yeah, Vida should do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And also, I do really appreciate that it's not like when I was opening up and talking about representation, they didn't just like throw like LGBTQ, you know what I mean? There's integral characters who are mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus. Yeah. And it's really great to see that continuously yes. over episodes. It's not just like one episode and that's it. You know what I mean? Right. So I really love that. And it's like very woman focused. Yeah. Very sapphic. Yep. Uh, that. Um, yeah. Well, this whole episode was dedicated to be that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that we have gone over the time. Yeah. <laughs> But finally, Dom watched the, the show, so I'm really happy about that. And it was about time that we discussed it. Yes. So make sure you also subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Yep. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media. Oh yeah, this feels so, so good. 
We them guys, let me bring you on the block. This the movie, Red Box. We don't like the Red Sox. Fire hydrants on blast when the town get hot. Drink tequila by the ounce at the hookah spot. If you ain't from here, you cannot survive here. But you with the crew, so you can come disguise here. Step up in our shoes, let us give you the news. And tell you all the things that others who scared to. My city worldwide, so how can I fear you? We wasn't raised on the city code, I'ma spare you. This is not a scene that you can compare to. You might as well soak it all in while you here, dude. Cause this is the birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. I said birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. And that's from the Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love. Oh, oh, oh. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love from the Bronx with.